one of my one of the people in flight school bought a single family property and then rented out the the rooms to their you know to their classmates and he's yeah. there he's like it was i just i thought how stupid that i'm not doing this and so we started with that story and then you know all the way up to you can buy a fourplex with the same va loan product you live in one unit and like had a had a realtor told me that that was a possibility in 2005 I would have bought a fourplex. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Eric Upchurch. Eric is an Army Special Operations veteran. He has a passion for educating the military community on how to create long-term wealth through real estate investing. Uh, he's invested in thousands of units of multifamily storage, mobile home parks, and student housing. Um, to be perfectly honest, his bio is is amazing, and I'm going to stop there because I hope that we'll talk about a lot of it. I think it'll be much better for uh, people to hear it from in your words. So first, let me just say um, thank you, Eric. Thank you for, for coming on the show today, and thank you for your service. I'm super glad to be here, and um, love to add value to your community. Awesome. Um, well, let's, let's hear your story. Let's... Uh, uh, like I said, I, we, we, I could pick probably any number of things here that would be awesome to talk about. But let's let's hear the background and then we'll we'll dive sure. in. Yeah, I'll just start out by saying, um, uh, you know, I'm 43 years old, so it's easy to build a resume when you have decades of experience. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I mean, I'm a normal guy. I, I grew up in the Midwest in Iowa, and you know, was raised in the cornfields. I was working when I was 12 years old, and um, and and there's some there's a reason I'm saying that. I, I ended up. You know, as a as a team leader in the cornfields when I was twelve, I got my like literally got did my taxes for the first time, or my parents did when I was twelve years old, and um and always ended up I've always ended up uh, inadvertently in my life as a manager of people or a team leader, um, including as silly as it might sound, working retail at uh, at a shopping mall, um, and uh, and then in special operations in the army and uh, excuse me and. You know, in reflecting back now, what I what I've recognized is it's not it's not uh, something that I worked at intentionally. It's something that you know I had a trait, and for whatever reason, I ended up wanting to take information in as it comes. And this is very relevant to real estate investing and stuff that I do now. But take information in personally, whether it be reading a book or taking a course or going to a seminar or whatever it is, and then condensing it down into something that's more digestible for the masses, and then spreading it to my team. So I've, I've always just, I, I get a lot of fulfillment from that for whatever reason. And so as I've just been going through life, uh, working for the last 30 years really now, um, I always inadvertently kind of did that. And what that led to was, hey, Eric, why don't you lead this team? Why don't you go share your experience because you like to do that? So now I use that in real estate investing uh, with our community at Active Duty Passive Income Um and just sharing, like trying something and then taking what I learned from it and sharing it to as many people as I possibly can. So it's been, it's been very fulfilling. 
it is self-serving also, which is kind of a funny thing. When you find your passion, you feel like you're doing it for yourself. But as long as it's something, and it most of the times does, it serves other people. It's really a great kind of uh, combination of, of doing something for yourself and for others at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. Uh, sometimes, sometimes you get so passionate about it that um, it it in a way feels selfish. But you have to look at it as you as you just said that 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 you know that selfishness, that enjoyment that you're getting out of it is also also benefiting others. And I'm sure that that doesn't apply just to real estate; it applies to probably nearly everything in our lives in terms of uh, whatever whatever different avenue you're you're uh, passionate about. Yeah. When so uh, starting in cornfields at twelve, um, tell tell us a bit more about kind of your journey through life. When when real estate fit in there? Obviously, you're sort of a natural leader and able to um, sort of relay those relay the the information to people. But what did t- take us on your journey a little bit? And and you know, obviously you're in real estate, but I don't you didn't start there at twelve. So kind of what what was that path like? Well, uh, like a lot of, um, well, let me start with this. I graduated from college and had no idea what I was going to do. I went to UC Santa Barbara um, and met my wife there. We've been married 18 years and we were having a conversation one day and she's like, well, what do you want to do? Is of course, after college, still wondering like, what the heck are you going to do with your life? And she was trying to figure out like, is this the guy for me? <laughs> probably, you know, um, like uh, working as a bellman at the Four Seasons in Montecito is probably not you know, her ideal uh, dream husband. Um, so we started having a conversation. Long story short, I was like, all right, well, let me go and check out the military. Um, I knew I could I could commission as an officer because I had a college degree mm-hmm. already. Um, but I, I met with all the branches, interviewed them, and found that the Army had the best options for me. And I chose to enlist. And so I was an enlisted guy with a college education. And that is pretty rare. And I, rec- I didn't know that at the time. But I, I recognized that that was the right path for me because I figured at 24, I'm going to be surrounded by guys who are 18 and um, people who could probably use a little bit more wisdom. And so, again, I kind of thrust myself into a position where I could mentor somebody else. And um, so I, I chose to be enlisted. And fast forward a few years, and this is kind of a funny story, too, that I'd love to tell, but the only reason I, I didn't sign up for special operations, I didn't even know it existed, really. Um, the only reason I ended up in um, special operations aviation regiment was because I was, I knew that if I pissed off the wrong drill sergeant, sprained an ankle, failed a test, written or physical, um, or anything, it sneezed wrong, I would be recycled to the class behind me. And if I did that, it would delay my time to get out of basic training and AIT, advanced individual training. And I had a wedding planned at the end of my six-month period. Uh, it was take six months to get through basic and, and advanced. And so because I knew my wedding was July 31st and I enlisted January 24th, I was like, I have to be on top of it. So I ended up at the top of my class. Just not because I definitely had to make it to my wedding. There was no plan B. I had 120 guests coming from out of state uh, to Southern California. So I actually got married in uh, Ventura. And um, oh, okay. so so got selected because I was the top of my class. That was the only reason. And then when I got into the military, I uh, spent my whole time in the in the unit. And, um, and then 
to answer your question now, this is a long-winded story there, but I ended up like a lot of military members as an as an accidental landlord. I bought a house, 2006, 100% leverage with a VA loan, which is, you've been around long enough to know that 2006 is not the time you want to be 100% leveraged. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah didn't, didn't, uh, didn't work out well no, for everybody that for, was. For a lot of people. Thankfully, <laughs> yeah. I only had this one, and yeah. I was getting paid every every two weeks by Uncle Sam, and I was living in it. So no, pro- I had no problems at all while I was living. And I lived there in that house for four years. So then when I got out of the military, uh, my wife and I were like, well, okay, we have this house and we definitely can't sell it because we would lose money if we sold it. This is 2010 now. And um, so I, I rented it. I was like, talk to a property manager and we made 80 bucks a month ca- uh, net cash flow. It was like, all right, cool. That's not much, but we didn't plan on this is what light bulb number one. We didn't plan on it being a rental property. And so now what my company does, I mean, we have 72,000 members. And what we do or the best at is making sure that people, that military members past and present are thinking about that. If they have to move in two years, buy it with that in mind. So you have to have the right lenders in place. You have to write, have the right realtors in place. You have to have the right support and education in place. And so we provide all that stuff now because we wanted that because we recognized that was a hole, a massive hole in, in our stories. So, um, you know, did that house. And then when I got back to the San Francisco Bay area, where my wife is from, we really were just looking around going red, rich dad, poor dad. And I'm like, man, this guy did it intentionally. I wonder if there's other people that do this. Sure enough, everything just unfolds from there. And you're like, wow, this is really a thing. Like it's a massive thing that everybody seems to be doing and uh, just started figuring out what we could do, which to start was live-in flipping. We bought a house, zeroed down in the Bay Area, and waited two years. That was it. Made money just because we waited. And then ended up doing that three times, made money on all three, and that was kind of my startup capital to get into you know, multifamily syndications and, and some other things. Feel like we should have your wife on this podcast with the number of things that she has sort of Man. <laughs> steered yeah, of you the the uh, the wedding deadline and all of that. That's uh, she's she's obviously been a big influence. My mine yeah. mine the same. So uh, I totally get it. When so I get the accidental landlord. I've had I've uh, you know been been lucky enough to have other service members on the podcast as well. I, I feel like that's a that's a, a fairly common theme, and I think. Obviously, if I'm having people on the podcast most of the times because they then <laughs> went further with it that beyond just the accidental landlord. But but I think it's it's like a point worth really mentioning. And I know you're you know sort of targeting other service members as far as letting them use that to their advantage. But but this is like a very, I don't want to say easy, but like this is a very good way for people to get started in real estate, whether like just using house hacking or or live in flip or whatever something that doubles as your primary exactly <laughs> something that doubles as your your primary residence and also an investment right because mo- most people you know buy their their first time they buy their prim- primary residence it's like oh i don't you know i don't want to share it with anybody i don't you know kind of all those things that keep people from making it an investment property and it's like if you can just take a few years at the beginning of whatever career, whatever path you're taking and, and, you know, sacrifice a little bit, 
the the, the the rest of your story is like that perfect example of how that can kind of expand for you from there. Yeah, I think, uh, so I, for those of you listening, I just held up a copy of our book, um, which people can get for free on our website. So they don't even have to buy it on Amazon or anything, but it's called Military House Hacking. We wrote the book, which lays out all of this in detail, how you can buy a single family and, and we give examples. It's basically telling a story of my partner, our, our uh, CEO, who was at um, uh, uh, flight school. He's a Marine Corps uh, CH-53 helicopter pilot. And when he was in flight school, he had, he's like, one of my, one of the people in flight school bought a single family property and then rented out the the rooms to their, you know, to their classmates. And he's yeah. there, he's like, it was, I just, I thought how stupid that I'm not doing this. And so we started with that story. And then, you know, all the way up to, you can buy a fourplex with the same VA loan product. You live in one unit and like had a, had a realtor told me that that was a possibility in 2005. I would have bought a fourplex as my first investment property and I would have lived for free, you know, collecting BAH and my income and having other people live in units, you know, one, two, and three. And I just live in, in unit unit four. And then you can do that. You can sell it and then do that at the next property. And, you know, it, and so it's, it's very simple, like you said, but you have to have somebody tell you that exists. Yeah. People are so focused on just like, let me buy a single family house. And and I guess the sacrifice, the only real sacrifice in that scenario is that you would have a neighbor above you and beside you. Right. So if you're single or a young family, like I was, when I bought that house, I didn't even have kids yet. So we wouldn't have minded, my wife and I would not have minded if we owned the building and we had tenants above us and beside us and just hired a property manager. So yeah, and we we've got a whole chapter on the VA loan and how to use it and and all that stuff. So, yeah, now the resources are out there, but you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was it was tough to to wrangle. And honestly, not the not definitely not the military's focus to teach that stuff, and uh, and not a lot of people have time to figure out where to get those resources. Yeah, I, I don't think it was anybody's focus. It's it's, it's interesting. Nope. You know, now we have we have the term house hacking, we have the term burr, we have the terms live in, like people have, have put names on things. Yeah. I think, I don't, you know, I, I did all of these, you know, somewhat accidental landlord things as well, but it wasn't because I was like, it was because I didn't have any money. And I'm like, I want to own yeah. something. I guess that means I get roommates. I can't afford this on my own or, or you know, whatever the case may be. And it's like, yeah. but then once you do it one time, then it's like, yeah, why wouldn't I do this? Like it's, you just, once you realize it's not, you know, a, it's not that bad. Even, even, you know, when you have kids, people live, people that have families live in duplexes or they live in triplexes. Like that's some places that's the norm. So it's not crazy to be the owner of that, that duplex or triplex and have someone else like paying some of your, your very likely largest expense. So it, you know, we talk, we talk a lot about syndication and scaling and all of that on on the podcast but like that's because that's maybe the long-term goal but but like most of us start here we start with that you know first property accidental or on purpose whatever it is it's just trying to get your foot in the door and then you realize the power of real estate and kind of move from there so and it, a lot of people skip that first step and then end up almost um you know handcuffed by their original residence in, in that they, you know, sort of 
got their dream house and spent everything they could. And now it's, yeah. it's harder to move to the next level. So I think, I think it's, I know it, you know, you, you are now well past that, but I do think it's an important um, point to bring home. And I know that's what you uh, do with your community and your book and all of that. So I, it's, it's just something that I, I want to stress on, but um, so, but with that, let's, let's move on to sort of when you moved into, you know, commercial real estate started scaling. How, how did that look for you? You know, my, uh, I was looking at social media one day and realized that a uh, guy that I was, was in a bunch of classes with him, we were the same major in Santa Barbara, and he was on my wife's gymnastics team um, in college. And uh, I just was looking at him like, man, why is he, he's like flying in private jets and like, who, okay, what is he doing? So I texted him, I reached out and I was like, hey man, what are you doing? And and can I get some of that? <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like, I just got out of the army and like, I'm trying to figure stuff out. And, um, and so he goes, I'm doing, you know, syndication. And he, he really took the time to walk me through a lot of what it meant to invest passively. Um, and knew us well enough not to put any pressure on. He was just really in to educate, educate me and, and answer my questions and stuff, which I appreciate. And um, I had, did end up and taking some of that live in flip money and invested in a syndication. And so then I really got to see the back end of it. What is it like to be an LP, a limited partner and uh, definitely enjoy that. I still invest uh, uh, as often as I can in not only my own deals as an LP, but in other people's deals as an LP, just to keep the money moving. But that was the initial like, aha, holy cow, he's making it. And he started by buying a fourplex in Bakersfield in 2008. Um, when he did, he, he told me one time, he's like, when I bought that fourplex, I didn't even know what the word escrow meant. And he was just like, I just need to figure out like how to buy this thing. <laughs> and yeah. it was working out. So he bought more and now he's syndicated a couple billion. And so he's um, yeah. doing very well. So, so that was number one. Number two, uh, Mark Young, um, my partner at ADPI, he was at his first uh, duty station as a helicopter pilot, Marine Corps down in San Diego. And he had been following a multifamily syndicator, his podcast. He's got the number one multifamily podcast out there. And um, and he said, hey, I got this ticket to his boot camp in LA. Can't go. Do you want to go? And he knew I was in the Bay Area. So I was like, yeah, I'll drive down. No problem. So I sit there and it was like drinking through a fire hose for three days. I couldn't believe it. I was just like, how come nobody told me this in high school? Why did nobody tell me that I was allowed to do this? in college when how was i going to learn this and and the reason i was I came out with that attitude is because everybody that i saw was just like me i mean some people were dressed a little nicer than me but everybody there was like just some normal person and conversation seemed pretty normal that everybody else and i probably had this like kind of uh strange confidence of like well nothing can be harder than what i just got through in the military so what do i have to lose yeah. And and these guys are saying it's doable. So I'm like, well, it's got to be doable. If, if if I've done some of the things I've done, then buying an apartment complex is definitely simple. You know, like I can figure it out if all of these people figured it out. So that's kind of my attitude. So paid for coaching, committed. I said, I don't care if I make any money for five years. I'll make this a side hustle. I'll commit to it. I'll learn. I'll network. I'll take action. I will add value to people and I'll figure it out. And so I just committed 1% daily. Um, and within 18 months, bought an 80 unit asset outside of Indianapolis, went full cycle 26 months later. And then just from there, it just snowballed, it just, you know, partners and deals and 
keep on going from there. Yeah, it 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 is. It when you first get into it, it feels like it's a lot to learn, and and the reality is is it kind of is a lot to learn. However, you don't have to do it all yourself, yep. and so you know that's that's why you you get in there, you learn everything you can, and then and then you figure out maybe what parts you like about it or what your strengths are and that, and then you partner up with others that have complementary strengths and, and you're, but you, you take action and that's what you did. You really just decided, look, I'm, I'm doing this and, you know, sort of looked at it. And I think you said something that I think probably <laughs> there's probably a lot of people out there that hear would hear this and, and be like, I'm out, but you're five years. I don't care if I make any money, I'm going out. Like some people won't, take those, take action, take risk for five months, let alone yeah. five years without, you know, making, yeah. without it, you know, sort of instant gratification. And, and that's, that's the reality of real estate is it's, it's, it's great. You had a, you had a deal go full cycle and uh, you know, about two years, that's amazing, but that's not also like, that was kind of the market that we were in. Yep. It's no longer the market that we're in. It's not likely that you're going to get those returns in that short period of time, right. but that's okay. You're just, the the concepts are the same. The the uh, re, the returns are going to be the same. It might just take a little bit longer. And really it's more just back to kind of what the norm was, um, you know, in, in the past in terms of timeframes. But it's, it's just, I really think that that kind of, it, it's, it's about mindset. It's, you said, it's like, look what I just did in the military can't be harder than that. And it's like, it's true. It's not, it's probably, it's probably nowhere near as hard as that. Like, it's just, it's just finding it's, it's, it's a business. It's running a business. It's not necessarily physically hard. It, it's, it's just, you, you've just got to be there and take action. We, we got to be honest. We make money in, in, um, commercial multifamily, or just, let's just say real estate investing in general, aside from physically flipping a house, we make money by making phone calls and sending emails. There's no sweat involved. Yeah. I mean, that, that is what we do. There might be some hard phone calls, some, some, you know, personalities you have to work through and some things you have to figure out and some research you have to do, but there's nothing hard about it. What's hard is, we can talk about this later, but what's hard is homelessness. And, you know, what's hard is um, going through some of the physical things that um, that people have to go through. And and so we take all that for granted. And I look at it and, you know, that's just my perspective. I look at it. I'm like, well, you know, if I can make somebody double digit returns every year, I'm really excited about that. You know, mm -hmm. and and if it doesn't work out in three years, we hold it for five and we'll be fine. This is yeah. this is, you know, U.S. real estate. If it doesn't work out in five, we'll hold it for seven, you know? And, and so right now you have people going, oh yeah, the market's so hard right now. And look, I'm, I'm still buying apartments right now. Mm -hmm. And, and we're just, we're just making sure that we shift, we pivot. The, the people who are multimillionaires now because of the real estate bought in 2008 when everyone else is freaking out. Yeah. I just gave you an example actually of my, one of my friends who started me in this. He's yeah. multi multi-millionaire because he started when everyone else was running. And so yeah. for those for those listening who are watching the news and, and stuck in fear and going, oh, but the Dow's doing this and oh, you know, the, this guy tweeted this thing. Get out of that. Start listening to Warren Buffett. Start figuring out like when you're supposed to run in. 
Mm-hmm. I know that I, I uh, heard a couple weekends ago at a, at a conference from a gentleman who owns 30,000 apartment units. He said, we're not there yet. There's going to be a trillion, over a trillion dollars of debt coming due soon. We're going to have all kinds of deals coming up. We're not there yet. In the next 12 to 24 months is going to be great, but we're not quite there. But he said one thing, where there are deals is where you can where you can sift through all the garbage that you see out there right now and find one where that seller is stressed. And, mm-hmm. and, and go for that one. So there are deals out there. I'm still finding them too. You're probably still finding them as well. You just have to be more cautious. You have to pivot. But if you're listening to this and you haven't gotten started, now is the time of the next decade to learn the business. Go now and figure out who you need to know, what conference you need to be at, what if you want to get coaching, go for it. That's what got me through it. Go do that because you want to be ready six, six months from now. Or heck, you want to be ready a year from now, even if it takes that 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 longer. For me, it was five years. I was like, whatever, I'm just going to be ready, you know. And um, if you do that now, ten years from now, you're going to be looking back and be like, thank goodness I I went and learned the language of real estate because you'll be doing really well for yourself. Yeah, and it, and it's funny. I mean, you you think about it like it, we don't have time machine, but it's like I, if I had started buying real estate apartment complexes in 2009 2010 if i had known about this yeah i i'd be done right i i could be done i could be done working for the rest of my life right now if i had done that then and this is a it, it's always a good time it's just a different time right it's yeah. your time horizon might change it, and i love you use the word perspective because you're right most of the most important thing generally as a syndicator that you're doing is talking to people like email, phone call, investor relations, that sort of thing. You have to, you have to manage your assets. And, but again, that's talking to people. No, you're not supposed to go and swing the hammer. You're not supposed to go and pick up a paintbrush at this point. It, they are, it's a business. And so you have to be, um, you know, the CEO, the conductor of that business. And a lot of that is just, it, it, it's not physically hard. It's like, it's just, it's not, it, it's not homelessness. It's not any of these things. Yeah. There's so many, so many things in the world that are so much harder, but it's, but it is important. And it's important that you're, that you are taking action because you, you know, it's, it's not physically hard, but, but it's going to get you ahead, whether you're active or passively investing. So you, you gotta, you, you gotta remember that, maybe it's mentally a little bit hard. Maybe it's maybe shifting your mindset is a little bit hard, those sorts of things, but it's not, you're not going to be sore after a day of syndicating. Like it's just not, it's not, it's not that type of thing. So um, it's, it's doable. And the information is much more available now than it was in 2008, 2009, 2010 as well. So you're, you're exactly right. Use this time to build your network, to learn, to educate yourself, find a mentor, broker relations, whatever, investor relations, all of that stuff. Like if you want to get started, now is a good time because there's a lot of people that have taken a step back. So so get in there, fill that space. Absolutely. Yep. And there is enough for everyone. And yep. when, you, when you start getting into it, you go, oh my gosh, you kind of think, wow, everybody's doing this. Holy cow, it's saturated. It's just not true. You, you can look at it that way if you want. But it's also a very multifamily in particular is, is a very like let's do business together type of mm-hmm. type of yep. business versus single, you know, single family residential is, is more cutthroat. So it does have much more of a hey, let's let's work together 
uh, abundance, you know, there's enough for everybody type of industry. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When you, so what is your, you know, we, we've mentioned this and I've talked about it on the podcast before, but like in within syndication, there's a, there's a sort of a number of roles. Yeah. Um, is there something that's kind of your superpower or do you do it all? What, what, what's your, where do you fit in? Yeah, I would love to say I am like the absolute best capital raiser you've ever seen, which is not the case. Um, I can definitely do that. But um, I would also love to say that I'm amazing at sourcing and finding deals because I know there's value in that as well. My role is typically, and I just got comfortable kind of, um, and this is one that's technically not on the uh, on the, the group of, of positions, but I'll explain um, I, I am comfortable in my own skin as a connector in the industry. Um, I, I do, I listen to people intention intentionally and I find solutions to their problems. And another one of those things where I'm not like sitting here, you know, Jason and I are talking and I'm like, I'm like, Hmm, yeah, I'm going to listen to you right now and figure out what you're doing. But I'll remember something that you said. And then later on in another conversation, some other day, I'll be like, ah, I got, I got a guy you need to talk to. So I, I love to do that. And sometimes that transpires to building teams. We, in fact, uh, I know um, a gentleman who um, it was built, it was, uh, had a piece of land and a 72 bed uh, student housing deal uh, that he was looking at. And I said, hey, I know just the guy, let's do this together. I know just the guy who has that experience. And he goes, okay, well, I know the guys, I, I built the first two um, buildings and I know the owners. And so we put that together. We just, uh, got done. We built 72 bed apartment complex in 141 days in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, and, and I love this because we just went through this as a team. There's three of us on this deal. And so, so now it's 144 beds, 91% occupied, uh, leased out through the year, the school year. It's a quarter mile stone's throw from UNC Wilmington, uh, class B amazing asset. And um, so just through connecting one guy who had an opportunity to a guy who has done one part of it, which was the, the student housing part, I was then able to be in the deal with them. And then, and then from there, obviously, there's all the other functions of capital raising and investor relations. And, you know, I'm a KP also on my deals. I sign on the debt. I, I also invest as an LP in my deals as a GP. I know there's a KP, GP, LP, a lot of P's being thrown out there, but yeah. <laughs> um, but but it makes my investors also feel comfortable if I'm not only signed on the debt, but um, I'm invested alongside them as well. So um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my specialty is just connecting people with deals and opportunities and then also um, raising capital and then signing on the debt. Those are kind of what I focus on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the connector or the, you know, that sort of person who puts deals together or puts people together is you're right. It's not, it's not one of the like four yeah, things function. that's listed, yeah. right. It's like yeah. not acquisitions. It's not uh, yeah. underwriting. It's not capital raising. It's not asset management. Like th those are the ones that like fall on, in, you know, yeah. read in the book, but, uh, but it should be, it, it sh absolutely should be. Cause I think it's, it's the, the person. And sometimes maybe the person who does all of those things, does the, the bringing of everything together also does one of those other roles oh yeah but yeah but, I mean, I'm, I'm actively in asset management as well i mean once right. you're in the deal you're kind of like okay well let's we're going to make this happen together you know right right so i but i think yeah being able to, to put the teams together and um 
kind of make sure it runs smoothly, like everybody fits together is, is, a, is another really important piece of that puzzle. Um, I, so I, I, I like, uh, I mean, I'll talk about real estate, but I, but honestly, like a, a big part of your story and your bio and all of this, there's a lot of, um, mindset and, uh, yeah. I think impact things like that. And I, I want to leave us time to talk about all that yeah, because right. I think it's as important, if not more important than just the nuts and bolts of real estate. And I, and I think, so I'm going to ask you the questions that I ask every guest, but I think they're going to tie in together and we'll, we'll expand on them, uh, you know, sort of based on whatever you want, but some of the things in your bio. So uh, I'll start with the first question I ask everybody is, is based on the name of the show. And, and so I always ask everyone, what is your, why, what drives you, you know, kind of what's, what's pushing you forward. Obviously you've had a great deal of success in a number of different areas, but what keeps you going, Eric? You know, word it's service. I serve for the memory and pride of those who've gone before me, or they love to fight, fought to win, and would rather die than quit. With So with that mentality, um, you know, I, I say that that's what gets me through every hard thing that I actually do, uh, that I consider hard um, in my, from my, perspe- my point of view for perspective. Um, I can give you some examples of that also, just so I'm clear to your audience, but, um, I do these things. We're ending veteran homelessness this decade, period. It's on my vision board. We're already making a huge dent. Um, and I, I do these things for my brothers that I buried that are no longer here to feel whatever you want to call pain. Uh, an, a hard day uh, making phone calls and sending emails is not, uh, to me, is not, it, it's, it's not worth giving up. And so when I say like, oh, I committed to five years, that was an easy, that was an easy give. That was easy for me to say, I, I'm committed to five years because fill in the blank, because my brothers who are no longer here, that I watched perish and put them in the ground, would love to be able to commit to five years of working hard at something. Um, and then now we do, I do, uh, I've, I've um, set up challenge for charities, what I call it. And I set up a couple times a year, a ridiculously hard hike of some kind. Last year, we did 170 miles around Lake Tahoe. We raised $190,000 for a veterans community project, um, which is a platinum rated um, 501c3. We build tiny homes, um, uh, tiny home communities for homeless veterans. And so 170 miles over, over nine days, 20 miles a day with 40 pounds on your back was one of the most dif- difficult things I've done long-term day in, day out on the trail at 6 a.m., uh, 26,000 feet of elevation gain uh, over nine days, and then 26,000 feet of, of descent. And then this spring, we did uh, rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon, a 34-mile down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, up the north rim, back down to the bottom, and then out. And uh, that took us about 15 hours. And then last week, we did uh, circumnavigated Mount Hood, which was Whew, reminded me of like uh, part of Hell Week as a special operations qualification course, which was um, just delirium sets in. So we did 45 miles in one day, 24 hours. We were on our feet, walking, no sleeping. No, I mean, there were breaks when you needed them uh, to sit down to fill up your water because you had to, you couldn't carry all your water and you had to fill up at streams and stuff um, and just carry your food. 
Um, but we just got, we just finished that on Thursday and it was at, at hour 18, you are absolutely spent. I mean, to the point where you're not sure if you're saying the things that you're saying and just delirium and exhaustion and dehydration and you're sick of the food that you're eating, like the trail food and you haven't slept. So I say that because it's like when you're in that mindset, it just completely took me back to a really hard time, which was in, in, you know, in those military situations where you've got to get through it. You've got no option to get through it because your buddies are counting on you for it. And so um, I really, I do those things to raise as much money for veterans community project. And those to me are hard. And, And at the end of it, we look back and we're like, that was fun. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, those kind of challenges. I mean, that, that's a lot of them. That's not even like one thing a year you're doing them pretty regularly, which is amazing. Um, and, and I think the, the idea of, uh, ending homelessness for veterans, I mean, it, it's just one of my, I mean, really one of my favorite things in, doing this podcast, even going to conferences, going, you know, just talking to people in the space is the, um, you, you know, you called it service impact, whatever word you want to put on it. But the, the, the point that that most people get to where they just, you know, it's like, great. I'm doing the things I need to do to create, you know, sort of financial freedom for myself and my family. But like, what, what can I, what more can I do? What can I do to give back to the, to the world on a larger scale. And it's, it's really, really just uh, kind of amazing that that's just, it seems like it's the norm. Like it's, it's the, that's where real estate investing ends up, right? It's like, we talked about, you start in a house hack, right? You start a house hack and, and, and then a few years later, you're uh, ending homelessness for veterans like that, like thinking about that sort of magnitude of growth both you know personally and professionally and and realizing that it's it can be done is just you know so 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 should be so inspiring people like you can take the first step when they hear your story and and where you're at so it's just amazing i mean let me give your listeners a tip if you don't know and this actually ties in perfectly to your why also you got to figure out that that new sense of mission and purpose right Mm -hmm. um and if, you, if you're wandering around trying to figure out how to, uh, how do I do that? How do I get involved? What is my passion? What is my purpose? What is my why? You have time, talent, and treasure. Give your time. Your time is valuable. So go donate your time somewhere or to a bunch of different places. Go out and find, I don't care, 32 different nonprofits that you want to volunteer for. They would love to have you. Go and find something. You'll have amazing conversations at those places. It doesn't cost you anything except for your time. If time is a constraint of yours, figure out a talent. Can you make something? Are you just inherently good at something? Give that back. Somebody can use it. You're given that gift. So go go give that to somebody else. And then treasure, obviously, is just the money part. If you have a bunch of money and you're like, oh, I can I can throw money at this thing because I see that this person's um, interested in it, that's fine too. You can do that. But if you just go and explore those things, you're going to make great connections, number one, fantastic people who are surrounding themselves by charities. And um, and you'll find some joy from it. And you might find your niche. And then if you if you still are like, I don't know where to go, find somebody like me who is like screaming from the rooftops about the thing that they're uh, passionate about and come on a freaking hike with me. You know, we're going to 
we're going to do, I think the John Muir trail next year, which is 210 miles. Go find somebody like me. Who's like, we're going to raise a ton of money for this because we're ending veteran homelessness this decade. Go find somebody like that and just follow, follow along. And then, and then you'll, you'll figure out if it's right for you or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's so there's, there are um, plenty of examples out there of people doing great for others. And uh, you're, you're one of those examples. And I, I think just, uh, it's just such a cool thing to see like the, <laughs> where you can go with it. Right. It's like, you know, if, if you, you, even on a small level, okay, financial freedom for my family, like, but what, what if, what, what, what more can I do? What's, what's the, you know, a lot of people want to say the, what if, uh, you know, they don't do something because of the, what if, but I, I love when people talk about like flipping that around, like, what if you do yeah. succeed? What if it, yeah. yeah. Like what if it does work? What if it, what if it works better than you think it's going to work like that? There's just, you know, it's, it's like, cause that's, that's when I think just the sky is the limit and it's, it's, it's pretty crazy stuff. Um, next question for you. And, and you did you already list off a bunch of amazing things, but, um, I, I generally ask every guest just to tell us something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge, special skill, a hobby, maybe even something you're looking to learn, but, um, anything that, uh, you're comfortable sharing. Um, I'll share this cause I think it's interesting and, and still kind of is baffling to me, but uh, and it's kind of along the same lines of doing hard things, but I just did a, um, I just did a half Ironman cold Turkey in December. I didn't train at all for it. Yeah. And so uh, I got, I would say like, it was painful. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was miserable. I'll never, never do it again. But the, uh, so my ability to get through adversity, I would say is a special skill set. And uh, part of that obviously dovetails perfectly into having a strong will. Why? And when I'm at mile 38 on the bike and I'm just about ready to die, I feel like I'm just, just roll me over right now, but the ability to persevere and push through and realize that there is an end. Um, I think it's a, it's a special kind of skill set. There's yeah. 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, followed by a half uh, marathon and uh, would not recommend it without training. I it's so fun. I read that in your bio and it's so funny because this, uh, I guess it was in May. I ran a half marathon, just the marathon part of this, yeah. but I didn't train and I've run before. Like I used yeah. to run marathons. So it was, it was like, it wasn't crazy, but, but I hadn't trained at all. I had hurt my knee a couple months before when I had planned to really start. And so it was like, basically just focused on letting my knee get better and, and did it. And it was like, it's brutal. And then I read your thing and I was like, well, I guess that wasn't that impressive of like, He's he's doing an I, entire half Ironman uh, on no training. Like that's, I that's highly do cool. not recommend. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Not, not the it's, smartest thing I've ever done. Yeah, do, yeah, do a little bit of training. It's a it's yeah, a good idea. Yeah. These, these things and, are and, fun to do. But yeah, and I, I will say too. Like I I keep in shape. I, I walk on the treadmill. I don't do any running. I don't do any biking or swimming. But I walk a lot and I do lift weights. So I'm I'm in good shape. I'm just not in Ironman shape. You know. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's an it's a little bit of a different level for sure yeah, yeah. i think the, the uh the hard part for me would be the swim i, I, I could, I could yeah. probably squeeze out yeah. the rest of it but this would would... laugh oh my gosh i was that guy i i, I jump in first time i ever swam in a wetsuit was when i jumped into that lake yeah. and I've never even done a triathlon before so <laughs> i jump in it's free it's 57 degree water which i hate cold water so that's laughable already 
And I'm that guy out there who is like, I'm, I'm, buoyant, I'm awkwardly buoyant in the back. And it's like, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing with my arms. I can't move very well. So I, not getting 50 meters in, I flip over to my back and started doing the backstroke. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, my heart was racing, the adrenaline was pumping, it was freezing cold. And so I, I think just to survive, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do the breaststroke. I'm going to do, you know, freestyle. I'm going to do the backstroke, side stroke. (laughs) I did all the strokes for an hour just to get through that sucker. Yeah. Yeah. Just whatever keeps you moving forward in some way without drowning is the, basically the, that's, I I did a sprint triathlon, a couple of those and like that's a lot shorter obviously the swim part still was like not i i I didn't i'm i'm just not it's been a long time since i trained swimming so it's a it's a funny uh (laughs) i I know exactly what you're talking about on a smaller scale so it's it's pretty cool um when people hear this and they want to reach out to you what's what's the best way yeah they can if they have questions they can email me uh eric at active duty passive income.com um, I'm reachable on social media, Instagram, uh, at real Eric Upchurch, and, uh, I'm glad to, glad to answer any questions. Final question for you, Eric, what, what advice would you give to someone who wants to get started in real estate? They're here, this, they're all fired up, inspired by your story and they want to get I got going. hundred percent. It's this, I'm going to pause so you can get a piece of paper. Okay. Got it. Okay. Good. Um, the success formula is this learn all you can, which is easy. Now you, you already covered that. It's all out there. Um, and network your butt off, go to conferences, meetups, whatever you have to do, be known, um, add value to others, figure out how you can connect people to the, the solutions and the problems, um, or, or give your time, talent, and treasure to a team. And then, um, you've got to make sure to take action. None of the rest of it matters unless you do the fourth one, which is take action. And if you do those four things with the intention to be 1% better daily, success will hunt you down period. Yeah. So it's a fantastic way to close this out. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Eric. This is, this has been awesome. I mean, really, truly one of my favorite, uh, conversations, ever <laughs> um ton of value to listeners people really need to listen to this and 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 it's the 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 way to you know aside from what you said at the end like just talking about sort of all these ways to get started it's or or the easier ways to get started right you don't have to necessarily start at you know hundreds of units like just do something take some action um and just use you know what you've talked about. Use your story. Uh, find your own why. Find your inspiration. It, it, people are going to get a ton of value out of this. So thank you so much for uh, coming on the show today. Yeah, glad to be uh, here. Thank you, folks listening. Uh, I know you're going to love this one. Please like, rate, and review the show so we can get more great guests like Eric. Um, and thank you all for listening. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.